0: Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth-2. Hey everyone, welcome to the Earth-2 podcast, the podcast where we explore the origins and development of the DC multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters throughout the Silver and Bronze Ages of
1: comics. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. Now, it's a bit of an unexpected episode this week. I didn't anticipate doing the, the comic we're about to do. Did you anticipate doing this one, Peter?
0: Not initially, no. But uh, <laughs> once I saw it, I thought this is an obvious one.
1: <laughs> now, as Peter says in his intro every week, we're all about the the multiverse. And we're also all about the legacy of DC characters through the Golden Age, Silver and Bronze Age comics. And regular listeners will be aware that very recently we did an episode where we covered issue 62 of Brave and the Bold, which featured the Astral Avenger and the Blonde Bombshell and their mate Wildcat up against the Sportsmaster and the Huntress. And we talked a little bit about the Huntress and how she had quite a bit of history with Wildcat and being a member of the Injustice Society and all of that. That issue of Brave and the Bold was published in August 1965. So today we are looking at issue 26 of Aquaman believe it or not, which was published on the 4th of January 1966 with a cover date of April 1966. And I suppose the best way to tell you why we're doing this issue of Aquaman is for, as usual, for my learned colleague here to tell you about the cover. Yes, well, the cover. We have
0: Aquaman and his wife, Mira. Uh, They are underwater, as usual, and they're being attacked by a woman in scuba gear and a kind of uh, cheetah print bikini, and she's firing a harpoon at them. It's almost
1: like they're caught in a sort of vortex. Yes. Aquaman and Mira are caught in a vortex, and those are the, the usual barrage of text. So the first little bit of text says, Beware, Ogre has you on its timetable of terror. And that's O-G-R-E as a sort of acronym, obviously. But then there's another caption which identifies the, the woman in scuba gear that Peter's just described. Pete, what does that caption say? Put everyone out of their misery. Meet the Huntress.
0: She's stunning, she's cunning, and she's a dead shot. She's not Deadshot, the character from DC, <laughs> but that's, that'd be another legacy
1: entirely. Yes, that's true. I wonder if he'll ever pop up. We and see. Now, to be fair, looking at this character called the Huntress in her sort of um, animal print swimwear, you could be forgiven for thinking that it's the same character who popped up fairly recently in Brave and Bold issue
0: 62. Yes, especially considering the Sportsmaster's a character who changes his costume. Mm. To match uh, what he's doing. That's right, yeah. It would be more likely for Huntress to do the same thing, to
1: change her costume and outfit yeah. for the particular, the particular job oh. she's on. Absolutely, and you know, with her own sort of customised animal print bikini. But it's not, it's a different Huntress. So, yes, as you've probably worked out now from this torturous introduction, it's a legacy episode this week because we're meeting another Huntress. I didn't know there was yeah. a Silver Age Huntress literally until the other day when we were recording one of our episodes, and Peter said, oh, by the way, do you know about this issue of Aquaman? And I literally sat with my head in my hands because it meant having to write something else down in a line in my big book where I keep a note of everything that we're doing, and Peter had to type another line onto his spreadsheet. <laughs> you know, if we're doing it, we're doing it properly. And it's, it's a fun story. Mm-hmm. We both really enjoyed reading it through. It's very different to everything that we've done. We're obviously not going to see an awful lot of Aquaman through this podcast, apart from the few sort of JLA, JSA team-ups that he's involved in, and mm-hmm. there's not too many of them. And of course, we should of course reiterate, there will be another Huntress along eventually. Yes, she'll figure very prominently in the podcast later on. She will, but
0: we'll get to her. So, I Command 26. Now this issue is written by Bob Haney and has some fantastic art in it from Nick Carday. Now, Bob Haney's someone we'll be coming across quite a lot uh, on the show because he's going to be the primary writer of the Brave and Bold Batman Team-Up book. And mm. he uses quite a lot of the Golden Age characters in that. Yes. And a lot of those stories are slightly controversial as to how they fit into continuity and everything. But we'll deal <laughs> with that once we get there.
1: Yeah, much has been said over the years about Bob Haney and his Brave and the bolds. They're a lot of fun. We'll cover quite a few of them. It's going to be quite interesting, especially when we do the Wildcat stories, because I think they're the ones that are the most controversial when it comes to that. Uh uh-huh. It's worth pointing out actually that Brave and Bold initially was just another a sort of an anthology series and mm-hmm. a similar sort of mould to showcase. Because Brave and Bold was mm-hmm. introduced to Justice League of America and run about. Issue, I think it was issue fifty. It becomes a team up comic because initially the first issue is Green Arrow yeah. and the Martian Manhunter. And it kind of mixes and matches yes. a whole bunch of heroes for the first little world. Obviously, we did the Starman and Black Canary issues, but eventually it settles down into being a Batman team-up comic. And so mm-hmm. the bulk of the Batman that we see for a while will be in the pages of Brave and the Bull. But we're not doing Brave and the Bull today. We're doing issue 26 of Aquaman. And yes, you're right, the artwork by Nick yep. Cardy is absolutely stunning. It's going to be very difficult picking 10 panels from this to put on Instagram. <laughs> He's a very unique artist, I think. I'm a huge fan. He's very... Oh, uh-huh. I'm struggling to think
0: of the word. It's action-packed, it's fluid, it's romantic, it's really great storytelling, a great combination of everything.
1: Cinematic almost, actually,
0: isn't it? Yeah, that's a good word. Especially, Actually, that's very appropriate for this issue. So shall we shall we dig in, then? Before we jump into the story, there's just one more thing I want to say about Bob Haney, and that's uh, he was on Aquaman for quite a bit, and he used to... His style of writing is kind of almost unique uh, for this time, because basically he just cracking adventure stories without really thought for continuity or how things fit in and more power to him for it because he wrote some great stories. His work in Aquaman was actually quite revolutionary because he introduced such characters as Vulko, uh, Aquaman's kind of Atlantean council. He created Ocean Master and he created Black Manta, the two main Aquaman foes. But the thing is, when he first introduced Black Manta, Aquaman said, Ah, it's my old foe. Black Manta, because Bob Haney thought, let's not bother writing an origin for this guy. Really? Uh, let's just jump straight into the story. Oh, that's
1: fantastic. That's a, that's hilarious. I
0: keep on saying this, word. I said it a lot in the last episode, but it's absolutely bonkers. <laughs> and it's I love it. I love Bob Haney. Bob Haney's stories are just phenomenal.
1: I mean, it has to be said, Bob Haney and Nick Hardy, they're a dynamite combination. They really are. Yep. Because next one of these artists, he, he can go anywhere, do anything. And Bob's a writer that does that, and they, you know, they're matched up perfectly. Mm-hmm. I think that's brilliant. (laughs) My old phone, he's never been in it before. That's phenomenal. Yeah, it's great. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing.
0: Righty, anyway. So, into the story, the splash page. We have in red text at the top, a lovely Aquaman logo. Mm. And tell us
1: what we have underneath, David. Well, there's a big, huge opening splash panel of Aquaman having a tussle with a character we find out is called Typhoon, and they're in front of a sort of... It looks like a sort of submarine with, with legs, almost like a four-legged crab tripod, yeah. if you can imagine. And there's a yes. window at the front of this, this machine, and there's a hunched, hooded figure. We, can, we can't see his face. we can see the light of his eyes and his hands. He's operating some controls. And there's an inset panel which shows us that he's about to press a big red button. And this character is saying, Even if Aquaman wins this fight, I'll still destroy him with my human booby trap. And we have some text underneath the panel which says, Now hear this, loyal fans of
0: Aquaman. If you think being King of Atlantis is pretty square, then this story's for you. And you. And you. Because... In this one, old Aquaman turns into a seven-sea swinger, swimming and slugging for dear life against an international crime combine which signs his deadly deeds... From Ogre with hate. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Matt Monroe spinning in his grave, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Superb. As you can tell from that blurb and from the way I sang that, this is pretty much a James Bond's pastiche. With Very Adrian much in The role is Bond. It's, it's joyous, yes. Listeners, just strap yourself in. I'm
1: really glad we're <laughs> doing this one, it's so much fun. It's so zeitgeisty, isn't it? You know, yes. as the story plays out, you know, it's surfing that wave—if you pardon the pun—of James Bond, of the Man from Uncle, of beach movies, very much of, so. You know, of all that sort of stuff, and it's um, it's one of the best stories we've ever done on the podcast. And I'm so glad that we've got the excuse to do it, by virtue <laughs> of the fact there's a, leopard, a lady in a in a cheetah print bikini called the Huntress. Anyway, shall we shall we go into the story? Yes, let's do that. So then, we are at the top of page two, and the first caption says,
0: That's no travel poster you're looking at. It's the fabulous El Dorado Beach Hotel, where, for 42 bucks a day,
1: you can mix a little sand with your hair. And this is a great beach view. There's some palm trees, there's lots of people sitting under big sun umbrellas. We can see some people out in boats and people carrying their surfboards down to the water. Um, In the foreground of the panel, there's a very striking red-haired young lady wearing a green bikini with black polka dots as a sort of musty guy with dark hair who's kind of he's kind of hassling her a bit it must be said and he's saying hello baby how about hitting the surf with a real hot dogger and the lady in the green bikini with the black polka dots says please i'm not free to and then the next panel a very musty blonde guy has walked in and he's grasped the dark-haired guy who was hassling the girl in the green bikini with the black bull and he's hoisted him up into the air and this newly arrived blonde hunk says You want to hit the surf, friend? Let me oblige. Ew! I was just kidding, buddy! And then the next panel, the blonde hunk throws the dark-haired guy all the way into the ocean with a massive splash and the blonde hunk guy says That should cool his corpuscles. In the next panel, we see the blonde hunk walking off arm-in-arm with the exotic-looking red-haired young lady in the green bikini with the black polka dots. Um, That whole sequence, we must say, is very like those adverts for bodybuilding that you get in comics, you know? Hero of the Beach <laughs> Yeah, those ones um, If you're not familiar with them, listeners, we'll put one up on the social so you can have a look So as they walk off down the beach, they pass a an old couple who sit and watch them go past There's an old elderly lady with white hair wearing shades And um and her husband who's has a, a book in front of him He's thinning receding dark hair And as the couple walk past, the old woman says Oh, it's that nice young couple, the Watermans He's so strong and handsome Would you defend me like that, George? and her husband says why of course dear and he thinks if you look like that mrs waterman what a doll it's a change of scenery for the next panel the
0: caption says let's follow this nice young couple a little later as they do a
1: snappy merengue under the stars and the striking red haired lady is now wearing a very tight-fitting yellow dress and the blonde hung is now wearing a white tuxedo jacket we can see musicians in the background, some other people around them. They're all dancing, having a great time. There's party lights up. It's, it looks, it's quite a happening scene, it must be said. And the lady with the red hair says, Oh, darling, I could dance like this all night. And her date replies, All oh, night? Nice. I almost
0: forgot. Come on, honey, emergency. Now, I must say at this stage that uh, what this blonde man, if you guess who he is, the way he's dressed it's very much like how Sean Connery <laughs> is dressed in Goldfinger. Which obviously has been mentioned previously on the podcast and is the height of popularity, basically the height of uh, Bond in the 60s pretty much when Bond Mania really took over. Mm -hmm. And yes, obviously this is riffing in that, including what he's wearing.
1: And including Peter's choice of voice for this particular (laughs) character at this particular point. I think you'll find it's a very accurate (laughs) Atlantean accent. (laughs) That means whenever Aquaman appears for the rest of the podcast, you're going to have to do him. And you're going to have to use this voice. Yes. <laughs> so we move to the top of page three and we've kind of given it away there that the glamorous couple that we're spending time with are Mira and Aquaman. And this first panel shows them heading away from the party. And the hotel manager, who's a bald gentleman, tuft to of dark hair at the back of his head, big nose and dark moustache, he watches them go and he says, Mr. or Mrs. Waterman, you aren't leaving. We're going to have a limbo contest. And the man in the white jacket replies, Sorry, friends, but it's time for our uh, midnight swim. And one of the other hotel staff members says, "In your dress clothes? How quaint!" So the caption for the next panel says, "Just
0: what gives with this nice young couple? Tropic sun fried their brains. Let's stay with them
1: as." And the next panel. Gorgeous, moody nighttime lighting from Mr. Cardius is tremendous. And it shows Aquaman and Mira, because that's who they are. We know this by now. Diving into the water, still in their dress outfits. And Mira says, That was close, Aquaman. I was so happy dancing, I forgot we still have to submerge every hour if we want to remain alive.
0: Check, Mira, baby. Or this mission could turn out to be our funerals.
1: And the next parallel is another butte. We now see them sat on a little rock or a bit of reef under the water. We see the, the current sort of waving past them. Mira's hair being buffeted by the water, and she says, It's been wonderful getting away from Atlantis with all its problems. I feel like I'm on a vacation. Some vacation? That's not what Uncle Sham had
0: in mind when he sent us on this undercover job. Hmm. You're right as usual, lover.
1: I must be pretty smart catching a husband like you. Maybe like most guys, I wanted to be caught, (laughs) baby. He does look a bit Sean Canary in that panel, doesn't he? He does, yes. So the final panel at the bottom, page three. The caption says, "We'd like
0: to give the undersea lovers of the ages a little more privacy, but there's no
1: more time because suddenly, and with a vroom sound effect, a submarine passes them by." And Aquaman says, "What? What? What's that? A giant manta? No, some strange undersea saucer." And as we move to the top of page four, the caption says, "Then." A giant ZOOSH sound effect. A disturbance starts to come from the machine. And Aquaman says, Yo! A crazy suction gadget setting up terrific currents. Swim for it, Mira. And the caption for the next panel says, As the rulers of Atlantis plunge clear of the sudden grip. And from a distance Aquaman and Mira look back at the submarine saucer and it's, it looks like a beam sort of coming from it underneath, but it's obviously it's the effect of everything being sucked up into it. And Aquaman says, The island's base that saucer sucking the coral underpinning right out from under the place. And we move to the next panel and Mira says, Aquaman, what are you up to? And Aquaman says, I'm up to stopping that gizmo from causing the only dry real estate in this area to sink into the sea. These kelp growths may be the answer. And Aquaman is gathering up lots of the undersea vegetation because he's got a plan. Stripping great lengths of the tough, rubbery stuff from the ocean floor, Aquaman swims toward the scouring saucer. This is a rare sort of reversal of what we're used to with a lot of the Gardner Fox script recently. The, the script has basically been telling us what we see. This is much more visual. Aquaman has flung all the undersea kelp into the path of the suction coming from the saucer, and all the kelp is being drawn up, and Aquaman says, That suction's got it. Must let go. Fast. And then the next panel, with a giant sound effect, it looks like the suction has been switched off. The kelp was all bunged it up, basically. And Aquaman says, That did it. The suction gadget's as jammed as the traffic on a Sunday night in summer. <laughs> I can imagine Sean Connery having issues with that dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably the best point to mention the, the sort of angry face symbol that's on the side of the saucer. Now that you meant now that we mention it, it does look a little bit like an ogre. Mm, looks a bit like Shrek, doesn't it? In fact, mm, that's actually yeah, an angry Shrek. So, to the top of page five, and so the submarine saucer, all bunged up in kelp, is moving off in the distance. Mira and Aquaman are hiding behind a bit of coral, and Mira says, "The saucer's moving off. We stopped it for the time being, but why was it trying to destroy the island? Has it anything to do with our secret mission here?"
0: Search me, honey. We'd better get back to the hotel before they think we
1: drowned. And I have to say, I love the fact that this whole little escapade, Aquaman has still been wearing his tuxedo. Yes. And Mira has still been wearing her lovely her lovely yellow dress with the black dots. It's, it's amazing. So, slow fade. The caption for the next panel says... Shortly. And Aquaman and Mira are returning to the the hotel area. And there's obviously been a bit of disturbance. The hotel manager says... Mr. or Mrs. Waterman, thank heavens you're safe. We've had an undersea earthquake. It... It spoiled the limbo contest. It's terrible. And as the hotel manager says that, we can see his staff writing tables that have been knocked over, and a few of the other guests in the background looking slightly discombobulated. And as Aquaman and Mira approach, Aquaman says, "Just relax, everyone. I'm sure it was just uh, a tremor. Now, gather round me, and soon." The next panel is very interesting because um, it's obviously presumably in the hotel swimming pool and this is a bit creepy because we've got the some of the crowd, the other hotel guests, they're watching in through sort of windows in the side of the pool, which means that this hotel must be it must be a swingers place, mustn't it? Well it did say that as we started, so <laughs> So some of the hotel guests are gathered around and they're watching Aquaman and Mira and what they're up to, and one of the hotel guests says, Oh, a limbo under a live eel. And that's what we see. There are some eels swimming around in the pool, and Aquaman is limboing underneath one of them. And one of the other guests remarks, Yeah, with singing shrimp as
0: musicians.
1: Great! Then the next panel shows a few other gorgeous-looking bright young things that have dived into the pool, enjoyed Aquaman and Mira. And one of the observing hotel guests on the other side of the pool, looking through the window, says, That Mr Waterman must be a trainer of marine creatures. And another one says, What lungs! He and his gorgeous wife hardly seem to need any air. So we move to the top of page six. And as the evening comes to a happy end. And we can see in the background of this panel, some more people dive into the pool. Everyone's still having a great time. Aquaman and Mira, we should have pointed out, have actually taken off their dress and their tuxedo. They're just in their their bathing gear. They're significantly not their superhero costumes yet. And they're making their way away from the pool. And the hotel manager is saying to them, how can I ever thank you after that tremor? Everyone was ready to cancel their stay here. And Aquaman says, Our pleasure, friend. Now, I think my
0: wife and I will get a little sleep. Good night.
1: But as the pair move toward their private beach bungalow, we see the bungalow in the background of the panel, but lurking in the foreground amongst the foliage, there's a silhouette of a female shape and a dark, brooding, heavy-set male figure wearing a sort of rusty brown suit. And the silhouetted female figure says, It's them all right. Aquaman and his red-headed witch of a wife. You
0: know what to do, Typhoon. The Supreme One will accept no failure.
1: And Typhoon says, I have never failed at this job, Huntress. And as he starts to move off, the Huntress says, Then go. Ogre forever. Ogre forever. The caption of the next panel. Inside, meanwhile. And it's Aquaman and Mira inside their gorgeous little beach bungalow. Mira's got a nighty on, and Aquaman is in the process of adjusting a rather odd looking helmet that she's now wearing. And Aquaman is saying,
0: Ha, <laughs> I bet the management thinks these are really diving helmets instead of special sleeping devices for water breathers like us. And Mira says from inside the
1: helmets. Hmm, yes, but in the day. It's nice to be like land people for a change. Caption of the next panel. Not long after and we see Typhoon creeping in through their open window. And he's thinking perfect they're sound asleep so at the top of page 7 now so Typhoon has crept into Aquaman and Mira's bedroom and we see him adjusting the controls on the side of one of their helmets and he's got a bucket and he's draining the water out of the helmet that was obviously what Aquaman was doing earlier apparently he was filling Mira's helmet up with water and Typhoon is thinking all I have to do is drain the water from their helmets and they'll be dead in one hour. Ogre will reward me for this job the Supreme One will give me anything I want. Maybe even the Huntress. Yes, even that wench who despises me. But suddenly... an Aquaman suddenly comes to and punches Typhoon in the chest. Typhoon says, Yo, you're awake. And Aquaman says, You bet I am, Buster. In the next panel, Typhoon has grabbed Aquaman and is trying to squeeze him against himself, saying, So it's muscle that's needed after all I eh, see, King. Typhoon will flatten you. They continue to struggle in the next panel. Typhoon says, I'll toss you right through the walls, small fry. Mira has woken up and she exclaims, Aquaman needs me. The water in his helmet. We move to the top of page 8 and the caption says, As a gesture from Mira, turns the water in the helmet rock hard. And Aquaman says,
0: Maybe I can't use my arms, but I can now butt like a whale with a bad case of barnacles.
1: And with a thud, Aquaman headbutts Typhoon in the face. Typhoon goes, Then the next panel, Aquaman forces him further back, so Typhoon goes through the wall of the bungalow. Exclaiming, Aquaman
0: says, There! In the case, listeners, you're not aware, that's uh, one of Mira's powers is she can solidify water, not turn it into ice, but make it solid water, strengthening it and hardening it. So that's uh, how she's managed to uh, amplify the effect of Aquaman's headbutts here. Interesting. Well, the
1: caption for panel three on page eight says, Just then! And as Aquaman and Mira behold the damage in the, the wall of the bungalow, we see outside the huntress as bringing a harpoon gun up on the windowsill pointing into the room. And the huntress says.
0: I knew that big fool would bungle this job. So the huntress will now bring down
1: the game. Aquaman sees her. And exclaims. Oh no. And in the next panel. The huntress fires the gun. And the harpoon flies out towards them. And the closing caption for this chapter says. How will the Sea King stop this one? And
0: while you're at it. Maybe you can also figure out. Who's the Supreme One? And Ogre? And... What are they after? If you can't, better turn to Part Two. Continued on second page, following.
1: Yes, and the rest of this page is taken up with a, a nice house ad for the issue of Jimmy Olsen, where Jimmy gets involved with a delinquent motorbike gang, so he is very zeitgeisty. <laughs> 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 so we move to page nine, and the chapter heading: From, from Ogre, Ogre with, with hate. hate, Chapter Two. And the opening caption says, Never did a
0: sharp deadly spear have such a tempting target as now when the Huntress, a
1: gorgeous girl killer from Ogre, lets fly a murderous missile at Mira. Wow, that was some brilliant alliteration. There's a lot going on in this panel. Through the hole in the wall, we can see Typhoon on the ground outside. We can see Mira sitting up in her helmet. And Aquaman has dived forward and intercepted the harpoon with a crack it shattered his helmet. And the fat Aquaman says, Maybe I can use this solid bean for a spear stopper too. And the Huntress says, Fantastic. He's fast. Faster than I expected. Things are happening quickly now. Aquaman emerges through the hole in the side of the bungalow and he can see the Huntress and Typhoon running off in the distance through the foliage. And Aquaman says, Those two night marauders are getting away. Guess he didn't dig my welcome. Got to catch him. But as Aquaman races out of the bungalow... Aquaman is wearing, it should be said at this point, very attractive um, orange pyjama bottoms and Mira's running behind him. She's put a t- dressing gown and they're standing next to one of the, the swimming pools in the complex and Aquaman is saying, they vanished, but how? Only place they could go is the pool and it's empty. And then at the top of page 10, we have a gorgeous nightcardy Cardi panel. It's almost like a point of view shot looking up from the pool and we see Aquaman and Mira standing at the side and Mira says, But who were they? Why were they out to kill us? We've got to be connected
0: with our secret mission here, honey. Obviously, they're wise to who we really are. We've got to be really sharp and careful from now on. Change of scenery now. The caption says, You can say that again, Aquaman, and you would if you could
1: see what's happening elsewhere right now. It's a complete change of scenery, in fact. We see the Huntress and Typhoon from behind their certain chairs, and in front of them, it's the hooded guy who we saw in the opening splash panel. It's very much like the traditional bad guy sort of hood that you would associate perhaps with the KKK, or indeed actually the Crimson Avenger. Yes, the Silver Age Crimson Avenger. Huh? Who we met many, many episodes ago. Yeah, he's wearing a black hood, and there are sort of very white, obvious sort of cartoon eyes. I'm not sure if they're just painted on the hood or if they're supposed to represent the person underneath the hood like it's his genuine sort of face. I'm not sure. They're fantastic. Yeah. But he's standing at a lectern, they're looking at him, and the cartoon of Shrek that we saw on the side of the submersible earlier on is painted on the lectern and we can see O, G and R we can't see the E because of the way Huntress is sitting spelled out underneath so this is obviously the secret headquarters of Ogre and the guy at the lectern is addressing Huntress and Typhoon and he is saying Huntress? Typhoon? You failed in your assignment to liquidate Aquaman You know that Ogre demands success Failures are eliminated and the Huntress says but but, supreme one. Silence! Ponder the meaning of our name. Organization for general revenge and enslavement. We work to attack nations, individuals, society, anywhere and everywhere for a price. And he continues in the next panel. Now, we are well paid by a certain foreign power to carry out Operation Lost Island. And we must not fail. I will liquidate any agent who falters. And the
0: huntress says, please, Supreme One, give us another chance. Aquaman is a very tough
1: assignment. I promise we will not fail again. The next panel, Typhoon and huntress are standing and they have their right hand raised above them, almost in supplication. And the Supreme One is leaning down from his pulpit, (laughs) almost. It's, um, It's very striking. And he's saying, very good. You two have served me well before. But remember, Aquaman must be destroyed. Or a whole operation is in danger. Go! And Huntress says, Ogre forever. Now, I wonder, there's nothing really so far to tell us that this isn't the same Huntress who we met in Brave and Bold 62. Actually, no, that's true. She certainly sounds very like her. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so we now move to the top of page 11 and the handy caption says, Next day. And we see Aquaman and Mira. Aquaman's back in his black swimming shorts, Mira's black in her green bikini with the black polka dots and they're talking to the hotel manager and the hotel manager is saying, Mr and Mrs Waterman, good morning, I trust you slept peacefully? Aquaman replies, Like two clams in coral. Now, we're going to have our morning dip. And there's another man there, presumably another hotel member's staff. He's noticed the damage and he says, Good heavens, your bungalow, that hole. Next panel shows Aquaman and Mira carrying off their surfboards towards the ocean and Aquaman says in reply to the other man, Oh, my wife uh, wanted to feel the sea breeze, so I just <laughs> air-conditioned the place a little more. Put it on the bill. As they dash off, an extreme close-up, the hotel manager says, <sighs> What a strange couple. And then the caption for the next panel, we see Aquaman and Mira out in their surfboards in the middle of the sea. The caption says, Soon? Darling, I could hot-dog a pipeline with you all day. We can't, Mira. Uncle
0: Sam's still counting on us to find out just who's so interested in this island and why? Ready, head for those coral rocks. And I just want to say, hot dog or pipeline is, yes. is surfing terminology, just in case anyone gets the wrong
1: idea here. <laughs> well, uh, well, like, I, I guess as much, but um, is that something that you looked up or did you know that yourself? Oh, from my extensive surfing knowledge, yes, I knew that. No, <laughs> no I just checked it out. <laughs> I see. Hmm. I would have believed you. Right. Google is your friend, but be careful when you Google that one. <laughs> yes, hashtag hot dog a pipeline. Right, the caption for the next panel says A few moments later, as a pair of binoculars are trained from the island on the far out surf. It's a great panel. I mean, it's this is gorgeous. I mean, it almost looks like it's been painted, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's beautiful. There's a point of view shot through some binoculars with a silhouette of Aquaman and Mira in the distance on their surfboards, the ocean, obviously. And a voice is saying, Hmm. They're still busy surfing. No danger. Operation Lost Island can begin again! And the caption for the next panel says...
0: But what the binoculars cannot detect at that distance...
1: And it wasn't Aquaman that the binoculars were looking at on their surfboards. It was a couple of life sized dummies. Fantastic! We move to the top of page 12. And the caption says... While a few fathoms below in the crystal clear lagoon... This is another beautiful cinematic Moody Nick Cardi panel. We see Aquaman and Mira swimming underwater in silhouette. It's only Mira's hair that isn't in silhouette, the red wave. And she's saying, Using the dummies we had cached in the coral to fool any observer, I understand. But why did we don our
0: regular costumes? Anyone we meet down here, like those two killers last night, know who we really are. Besides, we'll operate better in our real identities. Hmm. This island. Something funny about it. Look at the coral. It isn't a single great growing mass of tiny organisms. It's made up of crumbled chunks,
1: as if it were all piled here somehow. And this panel shows Aquaman crunching some of the coral in his gloved hand. Mira says, Aquaman, look! In the next panel, we see the submarine saucer. And Aquaman says, the saucer, it's back for another try. It's stripping away the island's foundation. But why? What are they after? The caption for the next panel. As the powerful suction device goes into action again. And we see that the submarine saucer has opened up again and the suction is taking place like it did earlier in the story. Aquaman and Mira swim towards it. Aquaman says, That's our cue.
0: Unlimber your hard water power, Sonny, and stop that underwater vacuum cleaner.
1: Quicker than you can say, She sells seashells down by the seashore. Oh, a weird ring around us. And Aquaman and Mira, they've been caught in a weird circular vortex. Aquaman says, Great waves. Feels like we're caught in some kind of force field. And it's exactly what was happening on the cover, because as we move to the top of page 13, we can see that the Huntress is there. Aquaman says, That girl killer. Again. The Huntress seems to be directing the force field at them, and she says, Huntress is the name
0: Goldilocks. The Huntress from Ogre. And you're so right. You are trapped on my electronic force field bullseye. Fire one. Aquaman says,
1: Great dolphins, she's released a spear. Indeed, we can see that Huntress has fired at them. The caption for the next panel.
0: Faster than a hungry barracuda, the spear hurtles up the funnel-shaped force field. This is a
1: shift in perspective, back as if we're down where the Huntress is standing, and we see the spear firing up through the force field towards Aquaman and Mira. Aquaman says, Mira, look out! But there's nowhere to go! The caption for the next panel like writhing eels the two trapped targets twist and gyrate as-and they've managed to wriggle out the way with a zoosh the spear flies past them ackoman says missed we cut back to the huntress who says not bad you two but how long can you keep avoiding my little
0: gifts one of them will get you maybe this one <laughs> And with a thong sound effect, she's
1: obviously fired another spear. The caption for the next panel says, But as quick as the spear travels, something else travels even faster. And we see, it's almost like over Aquaman's shoulder, looking down through the forest field, we see that with a zoosh, the spear is flying towards him and Aquaman is thinking, A telepathic command, our only hope. We move to the top of page 14, the caption
0: says, As the emanations reach a nearby coral hole, an undersea
1: creature responds swiftly. And this is great because obviously the force field has continued past where Aquaman and Mira are, striking a piece of the coral, and we see a large golden eel coming out of a hole in the side of the coral, swimming into the force field. Back to Aquaman and Mira, and the caption says, But back where the fantastic bullseye gun holds two trap targets. And again, Aquaman and Mira have managed to get out of the way of the spear, as it moves right through Mira's hair. She says, Oh, my hair! Better apart in your hair, honey, than in your pretty
0: face. The caption for the next panel. Now as the Huntress zeroes in with a third
1: deadly missile. And this is a great panel because it really shows how the huntress's gun is generating the force field at the same time. You know, it's obviously projecting the force field out. She's using that as a sight for when she fires her little harpoon spears. But in this panel, the eel that Aquaman summoned is swimming down towards her as she fires. And the Huntress says, What's that? Electric eel heading for the target rings. And this is a great little sequence because obviously... Because it's an electric eel, interferes with the Huntress's equipment, if you pardon the expression, and it's a massive big electrical discharge with a ZAT! And she exclaims, Aye! <laughs> and we see Aquaman and Mira as the force fields starts to fizzle out, and Aquaman says, Mira, don't touch the rings. Yeah, because it looks so the electric discharge is carried up through the force field. Then the next panel, the force field has vanished. Aquaman and Mira swim down towards the Huntress, and Mira says, What happened? A terrible force field trap, it's gone! Aquaman replies, Check, honey. Short-circuited by that electric eel, as I hoped. The Huntress we would better see how she is. And the Huntress is lying recumbent on the coral in the bottom of that panel. We move to the top of page 15. The caption says, Quickly, Aquaman picks up the unconscious girl and... And they swim off. Aquaman's carrying her. We can see the submersible submarine saucer in the background behind them. Aquaman is saying, she may have tried to kill us, but we can't let her die down here. Amira says, Hurry darling, the saucer spotted us. Moments later... They've made it onto the out of the ocean, they're onto the beach, and Aquaman is starting to lay the hunters down amongst the trees where they can't be seen. And he says, We're on the deserted side of the island. We can take cover in that brush and palm growth. Shortly... The hunters are starting to come to, and Aquaman and Amira are looking down at her. Aquaman says... She's coming too, just badly shaken up, not stirred. <laughs> Awful! <laughs> That's not what Aquaman says, ladies and gentlemen. He doesn't say not stirred, That's great. It's a very, very amusing, <laughs> very amusing James Bond joke from my my corny <laughs> colleague. The Huntress is rubbing her head as she recovers, and she says,
0: "Aquaman, you, you saved my life. Why? I tried to kill you."
1: And Mira says, "Humph! <laughs> if it were to me, you murderous witch." But then, the caption for the next panel says, Suddenly! And the submersible submarine saucer has made it onto the beach. It's now walking on crab legs, let me describe the opening splash panel. And a voice from inside it is saying, Huntress! This is the Supreme One speaking! You have failed again! You know the penalty! Ogre demands it! And from their hiding place, command says, So that thing walks too? What's this Supreme
0: Joker bellowing about, Huntress?
1: And then an extreme close-up, She looks very much like, um, is it Valerie Leon, who was in a few Hammer movies? Yeah, she does actually, Uh definitely. Yeah, that's who would have played her if this had been a James Bond film. (laughs) Amazing.
0: (laughs) And the Huntress says, The liquidation cell in my body, put there by an operation.
1: A tiny bomb which they will now detonate. Get away from me, run, or you'll die too. We move to the top of page 16. Aquaman is broken from cover, and he's running towards the, the giant crab submarine saucer, and he's saying, Run! I'm real mad now.
0: Mira. stay clear of the huntress while I tackle these creeps. And Mira shouts after Aquaman.
1: Aquaman, no! The next panel shows Aquaman running across the beach, and the giant crab submarine saucer is firing at him. There's vips and pings, pew, rat-a-tat sound effects, as Aquaman runs across the beach, and he says, Machine gun fire, eh? This is no tougher than zigzagging through a swarm of man-eating piranha fish. This is a great sequence of panels. Cardi was a master. This is really unlike anything else that we've seen so far. It's beautiful. So the submarine crab device machine continues to fire at him. And then the caption for the next panel. Like a human tidal wave, Aquaman whirls through the bullets until... He gets under the saucer, grabs the gun by the barrel and pulls it forward. And we see that the Supreme One is banging his head off the glass. He's obviously, because he's holding on so tightly, as Aquaman pulled it forward, there's a giant thud. So maybe the Supreme One's been knocked out. I'm not sure. Aquaman says... Sorry, friend, you didn't figure this thing's other end can hurt too. Then the caption says, Next moment. A typhoon has jumped out from the saucer onto the beach, and he's got a knife. And he says, Well done, Aquaman, but you won't find typhoon so easy. Aquaman whirls and says, Oh, you again. Don't brag, Buster. I've outlasted lots of big winds before. We move to the top of page 17, and the caption says, As Aquaman's gigantic foal lunges, Typhoon moves forward with his knife, but Aquaman ducks underneath him and punches him in the stomach. Aquaman says, Nice try, but you ought to learn a little
0: footwork. Does wonders for your dancing too.
1: Oof! Joke, flee while well, you can. The caption for the next panel. Barely phased by the Sea King's smash, Typhoon lunges again. Typhoon swings his knife again, saying, How do you like that, Sea Squat? Aquaman ducks underneath the knife, says, Beautiful, if you like misses." The caption for the next panel. Meanwhile, watching the battle, and we're inside the submarine saucer crab machine, and the Supreme One is watching Aquaman and Typhoon fighting, and he says, I could detonate Typhoon with the liquidation button, but then I'd lose a valuable agent. Besides, I'm sure he'll have no trouble with Aquaman. And in front of the Supreme One, as we can see, there's a very handy Batman 66 TV show style label, saying liquidation switch. <laughs> and beside that, there is one labelled Huntress with a button next to it, and another one labelled Typhoon, also with a button next to it. So that's um, that's very handy, isn't it? Supreme one's obviously very organised.
0: Yeah, it almost looks like, a, almost looks like an arcade
1: game, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> the next panel, Aquaman says, Oops, slipped. And it looks like Aquaman has slipped on his back into the water. Typhoon leaps over him with the knife, saying... That's what I like. A sitting duck. But then in the next panel, Aquaman kicks upwards and gets him right in the chin. Arrgh! Says Typhoon. There's a twam sound effect. Aquaman says, I slipped on purpose, big boy. How do you like the way this duck kicks? next panel, we're back inside the point of view shot of the Supreme One. Typhoon is on his back in the shallows. Aquaman is running towards the submarine. And the Supreme One says, Aquaman! He defeated Typhoon. Both my agents have failed. We move to the top of page 18. Aquaman is climbing up inside into the saucer. And the Supreme One says, I'll liquidate the pair of them. Aquaman is thinking, got to move fast. And the next panel shows Aquaman pulling out electrical cable from the submarine equipment, stopping the Supreme One from activating the deadly killer switches. The Supreme One says, what? The hatch. Typhoon left it open. Aquaman says, Now it's your turn, Supreme Sap. But the Supreme One has pulled out a gun and he's firing it and it's releasing a cloud of gas. And he says, Correction, Aquaman. It is your turn to taste the gas of my sleep gun. In the next panel, I uh
0: blacking out. Uh, uh.
1: And Aquaman collapses forward as the gas circles him. The Supreme One says, One fifth of a second. Very fast it had to be to subdue such a tough foe. But Ogre always wins. Now, nothing stands between me and my goal. The closing caption for Chapter 2 says, Nothing? Don't gloat too
0: soon, Supreme One, because it's only the end of Part 2. And we've got a hunch Aquaman's going to make a smash comeback in Part 3. Continued in the fourth page following. So we pass the direct currents for this issue, we pass a subscription advert, we pass an advert for some coins, and then we're back into the story. Okay. It's From From Ogre Ogre with with Hate, hate. Chapter 3. Suffering sunfish, as Aqualad would say, Aquaman's tangled with Typhoon and won the decision, but now the golden-haired sea king has met his match in the supreme one. Top dog of the international crime combo called Ogre. Or has he?
1: It's very dynamic. Opening panel for Chapter 3 shows the submarine moving back off into the water. And Mira says, That saucer is stalking into the surf with Aquaman. Must try to stop it with a hard water fist. And she's generated a giant fist made out of water to try and catch the submarine. And Huntress says, What? I'm still alive and so is Typhoon. Aquaman
0: must have saved us from the liquidation button.
1: the next panel, Meera has failed to grab the submarine and it disappears into the water and she says, Gasp! The saucer's gone! Out of range of my powers! By the time I could reach the lagoon, it might be anywhere! In the foreground of the panel, a very Valerie Leon huntress is tending to typhoon and she's saying,
0: It's no use, honey. You can't be Togar. Maybe Aquaman saved us, but look what happened to him. Hmm. That typhoon is getting its wind back. The caption for the next
1: panel. And soon, with the saucer, moves swiftly along the island's foundation. And we're inside the saucer with Aquaman and the Supreme One. The Supreme One is steering and operating knobs and twisting levers. And he says, Aquaman, the primary effects of the gas have worn off. You can see and hear, though you cannot move. You will be mute witness to my triumph. The Geiger counter is going wild. There's high radioactivity here. I'll turn on the digger. We move to the top of page 20 and the caption says, Again, the incredibly powerful suction device is aimed at the undersea part of the island and... And again we see the disturbance caused by the the submarine suction device going on as the clouds of undersea material are thrown up. And the supreme one says from inside the submarine, Appearing behind the coral facade, Auto Fac Alpha, I found it, I found it! And as the suction has been going on, it looks like it's cleared a hole in the wall of the coral. It looks almost like there's glass in front of it. It looks like, it looks like missiles, basically. And indeed, the supreme one continues in the next panel. Yes, Sea King, even you weren't aware of an American automated atomic rocket factory in your own domain. It was built several years ago and camouflaged with its own complete island of coral and sand. In this panel, we can see a bit more detail of the silo. I suppose we would for have a better way of it where the missiles are stored. Aquaman is still motionless. Supreme One continues in panel three. But the only scientists and officials who knew of this top-secret project all died in a plane crash. However, my intelligence system had already gotten wind of it. The biggest job was finding which island out of the hundreds in this area held Autofac Alpha in its heart. Now... For an enormous price, I will sell it to a certain foreign power which will then blackmail America, the world, with its huge supply of atomic rockets. And in close-up, Aquaman is thinking,
0: <sighs> Uncle Sam sure was right in suspecting there was trouble brewing here,
1: but I goofed the mission. I failed. I can't move an eyelash. He looks very much like a, a Thunderbirds puppet there, doesn't he? <laughs> yes. With his immaculately coiffed hair and his wild staring eyes. So anyway, the caption for the next panel says, Now as the saucer begins to remove the automated factory's secret contents. And we see from the outside of the submarine, it's using its giant sort of crab legs, almost like hands, and it's lifting missiles out of the underground hiding place. And the Supreme One is saying, Time to radio my greedy customer. Ogre the sea lion. The goods you ordered are here at. But then we cut to the top of page 21, and the first caption says, Not many miles away, where an innocent-looking trawler drags a net across the sea bottom. And this is lovely. We see the trawler on the ocean surface, but underneath, swimming through the water, there's a bunch of frogmen. And a voice from the trawler is saying, Excellent.
0: We begin Operation Roman Candle at once. The caption for the next panel
1: says, Soon. And we're back with the underwater submarine crab saucer. All the missiles arranged underneath, and in the distance we can see the hull of the trawler. The frog went swimming down towards, and the trawler net, of course, and from inside the submarine, the Supreme One is saying, Ah, there come my customers, now to collect my reward for this pile of hardware.
0: But suddenly, from the trawler's underwater section...
1: And the trawler has fired two torpedoes that are now speeding towards the submarine saucer. Supreme One says, What? Torpedoes? No, it can't be! And Aquaman thinks, But it is, friend, the old double-cross. The caption for the next panel
0: Frantically, the man from Ogre manoeuvres the ungainly saucer, but...
1: Yes, he manages to dodge one of the torpedoes, but the other one strikes the submarine with a massive RANG sound effect! It's a massive explosion! In the next panel we see the supreme one trying to swim away and Aquaman is now able to move and he emerges from the submarine thinking The explosion
0: jolted me clear of the gas effects! Must let the Supreme One tackle these jokers before they net
1: Uncle Sam's TNT bonbons. Yes, in the bottom corner of this panel, page 21, we can see the the frogman with their net. they bring the net towards the missiles. They're obviously going to use the net to carry the missiles away. So, we move to the top of page 22 and Aquaman swims down towards the frogman and he busts among them thinking, Gotta hit him hard and fast. Wish I had a little help, though. Then the caption for the next panel says, Help Aquaman, it's closer than you think. And as we see Aquaman engaging in massive fisticuffs with the frogmen, the cavalry are swimming in from stage right. And Aquaman says, Mira, Huntress, Typhoon. And indeed the Huntress and Mira and Typhoon are swimming in to the rescue. And Mira says, Hold on, darling. We're all one team now. Then the caption for the next panel. And now the quiet lagoon whirls with deadly combats. We see Typhoon bringing the heads of a couple of frogmen together. We see the Huntress Fighting with one, we see Aquaman punching another frogman, and we see Mira using her powers to generate a couple of fists to punch out a couple more. Then the caption for the next panel says... Suddenly! And then there are some more frogmen towing down towards them. Aquaman says... U.S. Navy frogmen? How'd they get here? And Mira says... I caught them, Aquaman, remember? Those were our orders, in case we had our hands full.
0: As the tough, seasoned navy
1: frogs clobber the foreign scuba thugs... This looks like the navy frogmen are using the net to gather up the bad guys. Is that what it looks like to you? It does indeed. Needs must.
0: If nothing else, you know they can improvise.
1: Yeah, tremendous. Aquaman observes this and says
0: We're not needed here now. Follow me, the Supreme One is still loose. We move to the top of page twenty three. The caption says But as Aquaman, Mira and their newfound
1: allies splash onto the beach. So Aquaman and Mira, the huntress and typhoon, are all emerging from the sea onto the beach at the hotel. We can see the hotel swimming pool, we can see the the hotel building in the background, and a voice is coming from the hotel, and it says, Aquaman, this is the Supreme One speaking. Halt where you are, or I'll blow the hotel sky high. It's booby-trapped. And Aquaman says, Great thundering waves. He could be anywhere in the hotel. Anywhere. As Aquaman says this, the huntress is diving into the hotel swimming pool. Aquaman continues, Huntress, this is no time for a
0: swim. But Huntress says back to him, I think I know just where he is, Aquaman. Follow me. But as Aquaman and the others leap into the innocent-looking pool
1: waters... It's a great panel now of the Huntress and Aquaman underwater, and the Huntress has swum to the side of the swimming pool, and she's pressed the identifier sign on the wall, which tells you how deep the water is. It says eight foot, and she's pressed it, and it's opening a hatch in the side of the swimming pool. And Aquaman indeed is saying, She's opening a secret door. I get it. This is part of Ogre's setup, right here in the hotel. Sure enough, as they follow the Huntress into an underground chamber... And as Aquaman, Typhoon, Mira, and the Huntress bust through the door, they see the Supreme One, reaching for a gun, and he says, Aquaman! I'll fix you! All of you! Aquaman says, Flatten everyone! The caption for the next panel. As the hooded Desperado blazes away with the submachine gun... It's a gorgeous Cardi panel here. See Akumar and Typhoon and the others ducking to the ground as the machine gun fires, bura bura bura, And Supreme One is saying, Oga forever! Oga forever! And his bullets are firing holes in the side of the swimming pool. And water is starting to leak through, and there's a very amusing snap, crackle, and pop sound effect, which suggests wow. that the floor <laughs> of the secret chamber was covered in Rice Krispies. And Mira says, Those jets of water from the pool. We move to the top of page 24. As
0: the water gushes in, Mira gestures to create... And Mira
1: says... Hard water letters, but in this case, O-G-R-E spells defeat. And this is amazing. There's a little flash coming from her hand as she's gesturing and using her water powers. And giant letters O, G, and R, and E are flying through the air. The O drops down and circles the Supreme One, trapping his arms. And the G nuts him on the side of the head. I have no idea what the R and the E are going to do to him and aquaman says beautiful mira beautiful now as the beaten mystery foe slumps down aquaman reaches forward and pulls off the hood from the supreme one
0: revealing weeping mantas it's the hotel manager no wonder he outguessed our every move and the huntress says we never saw his face typhoon and i were shanghaied by his other agents the booby traps were implanted in us and after that we had to follow orders
1: or else it was the hotel manager, Peter. Gasp. I'm stunned. He seemed so nice. In the next panel, we see command looking at a very handy television screen. The law will take that into account when you both face justice, Huntress. Well,
0: it looks like the Navy has corralled those foreign scuba thugs and the
1: rockets are safely back in the right hands. And on a TV screen, we can see the Navy marshalling the bad guys towards the boat, obviously, to take them off to face justice. And then as we reach the final panel... The caption says, Later. And in the final panel, we see Aquaman and Mira delightedly running along the beach into the sea, hand in hand, smiling, amazing. And in the background, is the elderly couple from the hotel who we saw earlier on. And the old woman is saying, Oh, George, to think it was Aquaman and Mira all the time. How thrilling. How exciting. And George replies, I thought it might alarm you, dear, but I knew it was them all
0: along on a top secret case. Mr. and Mrs. Waterman. Huh. Never fooled me. And the closing caption says, Which only proves don't fool around with sea kings, on vacation or not. If you think this story was a -a smash-a-roo, the next Aquaman issue is even greater. No fooling. The The end. end. Well. That was fantastic.
1: I hope we did a reasonable job of conveying the speed and pace and the excitement of that story, listeners.
0: It's Bob Haney doing his, let's hit the zeitgeist, let's give some wacky hip lingo to the stories. It's oh, it's just so much fun. It, I mean, there's everything in it. Even the reference to the man from Ogre. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. As a little tip to the man from Uncle. Obviously, yeah. That was absolutely brilliant. The Bond comparisons are really obvious. Yes. Uh, admittedly, we've only had four Bond movies at this point. Yeah. But all the Bond tropes are in here. Being attacked in the hotel room, that's a Bond trope. Huntress, the Ven Fatale, is very much a Bond trope and kind of like the, the mindless strong thug yeah. uh, is a, a Bond trope as well. He's very much like... Um, he's quite like Jaws in a way, isn't he? He's very much like Jaws. But this is before Jaws. He's a bit yeah. more like Robert Shaw in From Russia With Love. Uh-huh. It's so much feeding those those tropes. And of course, having the, the undersea frogman battle at the end mm. is mm-hmm. something that's been used in like tons of Bond movies. Yeah. It's just so much fun. I think Thunderball uh, might have been out roughly about this time. Okay and that certainly is a major part of that but yeah it's just so much it used to be like a running joke that every bond movie either had an underwater scene or a skiing scene yeah pretty much yeah (laughs) so but
1: that was just great great fun even the bad guys sort of joining the side of the goodies that happens quite often Yeah, yeah, Jaws himself did that as well, you know. We really haven't said enough about just how moody and atmospheric and gorgeous Nick Cardy's artwork was. I mean, flicking back through the Mm -hmm. pages now, I mean, the use of shade and dark spaces and stuff is just amazing. They could have used these panels as storyboards and taken it straight to the screen and changed nothing. It would have been gorgeous. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. I mean, I don't think it was the same Huntress who we saw in Brave and Bold 62. no. No. There's nothing to contradict it completely. I mean, she's dressed very similar to the, the other Huntress, but this obviously, because it's Aquaman, yes. we're assuming we're on Earth 1. Pete's going to talk about the differences between the Earth 2 and Earth 1 Aquamans in a little while. But it's interesting because it is use of the character name. She doesn't appear again, sadly. It's very interesting because it's another bit of legacy. As we said, Aquaman's not going to turn up too often in the podcast, really. And most of the time when we do see him, it will be the Earth 1 Aquaman. But as Pete's yes. pointed out when we were doing a planning for this episode and deciding to do it... um. There are very distinct differences between the Earth-1 Aquaman and the Golden Age Aquaman, so tell us all about that then. Aquaman first appeared in More Fun Comics number 73,
0: and basically... He's one of the few characters that actually ran all the way from the golden age right through to pretty much the yeah uh, the end of the silver age, bringing in the bronze age. Mm-hmm. It's basically mm-hmm. Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, obviously had their own titles, but the only other two characters were Aquaman and Green Arrow, yeah, who can, had continuous publication in adventure comics. So the original Aquaman, as I said, first appeared in More Fun Comics number no. seventy-three, that's nineteen forty-one, which is after. The Submariner first appeared So those people that like to do the DC Marvel comparisons <laughs> uh, Yeah, Aquaman was definitely after Submariner uh, By quite a bit Right, And basically he's the son of a famous undersea explorer ah. And his mother died when he was a baby And his father discovered the lost kingdom of Atlantis And from the books and records that he found there He taught his son how to live under the ocean Drawing oxygen from the water Blimey, that would be useful. And using the power of the sea to become strong and swift. Amazing. So basically, he's an ordinary human being uh-huh. uh, who can do all this incredible stuff under the sea. Right. The original Golden Age Aquaman had yellow gloves. When he moved into the Silver Age, his gloves kind of changed to green. A lot of people wanted to make a cut-off point for mm. all these characters, but to be honest, there's never really... between. Silver and Golden Age stuff, there's not always a nice clear cut-off point for characters. But that's that's quite a good way to differentiate them. But in, in the Silver Age, Aquaman got a new origin, right? where he was part Atlantean. It's the origin most people are familiar with now. It's the yes. origin they kind of use in the, in the movie as well. Yeah. Uh-huh. And his mother was Atlantean, and he's actually Atlantean royalty. And that's how he becomes king of Atlantis. Yeah. And his father was a, a lighthouse keeper. So yeah.
1: yes, that's... Uh, that's the Silver Age origin. Yeah, that's, that's the one I always think of. That's the one I'm most familiar with. Yeah.
0: Uh huh. In the 50s, Aquaman gained a sidekick. Yeah. And it wasn't Aqualad, because quite a while before that, he had a sidekick that was an octopus called Topo. <laughs> and that's kind of where I personally put the uh, definition of Earth 1 and Earth 2 Aquaman. Right. I think the stories before Topo's introduction... We're kind of uh, Earth Two Aquaman, okay. And after that, I think it's all pretty much Earth One. Silver so right. Age Aquaman? Because Interesting. It's either that, or we've got two versions of Topo out there. Yeah, I mean, we could have that, but I think it's cleaner to have just the one.
1: I think Cute um, Octopus Sidekick is much more of a Silver Age thing than it Earth.
0: certainly is. Yeah,
1: you know that feels a bit more Silver Agey, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh huh. I love
0: Aquaman stories. They are quite ridiculous. <laughs> I, I strongly, strongly, strongly recommend to anyone to read some Silver Age Aquaman stuff. Yeah. Stuff especially preceding this, this the 50s stuff, is fantastic. And most of it is drawn immaculately by Ramona Freyden, mm. whose artwork is sublime. Mm-hmm. It's just so cartoony, so much fun, so much joy and everything. And there's electric eels everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think that in, on Earth 1, uh, electric eels can live in any environment <laughs> because Aquaman's <laughs> using them constantly. Constantly. And other fish like sawfish that actually can can be used as saws yeah to cut through things it's just absolutely ridiculous crazy crazy stuff there's a really good story which is classed as a team-up with aquaman and green arrow oh yeah, sort of the really one you mean. yeah because basically yeah yeah basically two of their villains escape prison and the aquaman foe thinks i'm always getting defeated by aquaman so i'm going to commit all my crimes on land and the one that is uh Defeated by Green Arrow says, Well I'm always defeated by Green Arrow, so I'm gonna to turn to sea crime. <laughs> so rather than just switch villains, Green Arrow and Aquaman decide to like switch their crime fighting environments. So Green Arrow has all this underwater gear and actually tracks down his foe underwater. Right. You can see that. But uh-huh. Aquaman, it's crazy. He basically gets a big truck. <laughs> the back of it is like a big fish tank filled with all these fish, and he drives about in the truck using the fish to help him track down yeah. uh, his his foe and defeat him. It is absolutely, utterly crazy. I think it's been reprinted in such things as the greatest team-up stories ever told. Yeah. I think the best, the greatest 1950s stories. Uh-huh. It's phenomenal. Track it down and read it. You will love every page. If you like this podcast and like some of the crazy nonsense we talk about, you will absolutely adore that yeah. story.
1: I have read it. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's great.
0: Yeah. So speaking of so much fun, yes. we glossed over it as we threw it in the story because we didn't want to break it up. But... As Flash Comics were famous for having flash facts, scientific facts, in the middle of their stories, Aquaman, less famously, had fish facts (laughs) in the middle of the story. So basically, it's a whole page with facts about fish and really silly cartoon fish. It's great. Yes. The first fish fact in this page is scientists at the University of Miami have found a way to make fish live longer. The experiments so far have been with guppies. And you've got a cartoon picture here of a fish... On an old rocking chair, yes, with a headscarf tied round it.
1: A very elderly-looking sort of fish, because they've put some lines round. I presume it's a she round her eyes to make her look as if she's had a good long life. It's hilarious. And she's sort of sat in the rocking chair and there's a couple of other younger fish in front, who must be the grandkids, presumably. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Right. The next fish fact in Aquaman twenty-six says between December and February, some four thousand California gray whales make an annual trek from Arctic waters to Mexico. There we are. And we have a cartoon of a few whales swimming away from some icebergs and one of them is saying, Brr, the water's cold, hurry up! That's great, they go on, they go on holidays, I love it. I bet they'll come back with sombreros on. <laughs> uh. They've all grown moustaches and other cultural
0: stereotypes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next one is, Sharks never have to worry about dental problems. As one row of their teeth wears out, it pops from the gums and is replaced by a fresh row just behind it. Now indeed we see... A shark underwater, swimming by a cave, which has got a sign outside saying "dentists," and
1: the shark saying, who needs you? Fantastic. Oh, yes. This is just crazy. Someone send that to, to Steven Spielberg. <laughs> and the final fish fact says, the basking shark, at least 45 foot long, is the biggest fish in the North Atlantic. It got its name because it likes to bask in the sun with its back out of the water. And we see a fish, sure enough, out of the water, blazing sun, a nice red sky, and the f- shark is wearing sunglasses and saying, this is the life. <laughs> Amazing. Absolutely <laughs>
0: crazy. Gorgeous, lovely. Who says comics aren't educational? Exactly.
1: <laughs> so much fun.
0: Righty. So shall we have a look at the reader reaction to this story? That would be good. So issue 28 has got the le- reader reaction in the letters page for this story. And the letter column's headed up. The floodgates are open.
1: And there's a little intro at the start of the letters page that says, That's right, the dam's at bursting point. Since we started the new Aquaman letters page, your mail has been pouring in, like torrents. Let's see what some of you have to say. And the first letter. Dear Editor, I would like to thank you for putting in
0: a letter page. I suggest you play up Aqualad a little more. Not that I have anything against Mira or Baby, but I think you'd get more action from Aqualad, says Greg Lone from Des Moines, Iowa. And the second letter says... The answer from Ogre with Hate was a terrific story. The diction was beautifully flip, which leads me to believe that Bob Haney wrote the story. Mm -hmm. I was pleased to see that Aquaman and Mira were the only two Atlanteans who participated in the story. I suggest in future issues that you have a different star in each. Don't include Mira, Aqualad or Aquababy in every story, but don't send Aquaman out with just one partner, the same one either, from Irene Vartanoff. And editorial response is...
1: Here you've seen two points of view on the same subject. Generally, we try not to overload a story with too many characters. If one of your favourites is missing from a particular adventure, it isn't because we have any special preferences. By the way, that story was written by Bob Haney. Okay, right. Of course. And the next letter. Dear Editor, My first contribution to your letter column is that From Ogre, with hate, was an excellent change of pace, but don't overdo it. Aquaman, like the ocean he lives in, is essentially a character of mystery. For real action and drama, pit him against mysterious, malevolent-type monsters. And that's from James Godot, shall we say, from Cambridge, Massachusetts. Ooh, interesting. Then the next letter. Dear Editor, I agree with the reader who said that Aquaman should get out of the water a little more. This reason was responsible for the tremendous enjoyment I got out of From Ogre With Hate. And that's from Paul Laganus from River Rouge, Michigan. And then the next letter. Dear Editor imitations are a dime a dozen so i hope you don't use ogre and aquaman anymore that's from dexter musgrove laurel missouri good on you dexter right and the responses to those ones imitations of all the crust from ogre with hate as you can see stirred up
0: quite a bit of controversy chances are we'll do some more like it in the near future and indeed there are two further Mm -hmm. ogre stories the next one's in issue 31 and then the final Part of the Ogre Trilogy, let's call it that, <laughs> is in issue 53. I see. Much further on in the future. Of course that is quite far. But we won't be covering either of those. Sadly.
1: Unless Peter goes looking and we find out that one of them has a backup character called the Spider or... <laughs> or Little Boy Blue. Or Johnny Quick. <laughs> <laughs> or something. <laughs> so, the
0: next couple of short letters then. Dear Editor, I just read my first Aquaman. And it's already one of my favourites. I like the idea of a hero being married for a change. Keep up the good work says Dave Floor from Rochester, New York. And again, another short one after that. Dear editor, I hope to see more of Mira. It's good to have a husband and wife team from Paula Carson
1: in Detroit. And the response here is everyone likes Mira and the idea of Aquaman being married to her. We have to search hard to find the dissenter in that department. Now there's a couple more letters, but they're generally just sort of praise for the for what they're doing with Aquaman and people being glad that the letters pages back. So there's nothing really too much else. About the story that we've just covered but Yeah it does bring up a valid point
0: Aquaman is quite an unusual character In that he is married and has a family Not many characters had that at this point Barry and Iris are yeah. pretty much the, the next couple To mm-hmm. to get
1: married But obviously they don't have a family At that point Yeah the Atom doesn't get married until the 70s All that sort of stuff Green Arrow and Black Kenny didn't make it to the noughties Spoilers there we go <laughs> Superman still being chased round round aisles By Laurie Lamaris and Lana Lang and Lois Lane At that point so yeah so that was the reaction from the time. And that's what we thought about the comic. What did
0: you think about the comic? Please get in touch. You can email us at theearth2podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you follow us on social media and Facebook. We're at theearth2podcast and we're at theearth2podcast on Instagram. And on Twitter, we're at podcast underscore earth Two. This story was fantastic. It really was. We can't really describe the artwork as good as it comes across visually, so we'll definitely be putting up quite a few panels from this so you can see yourself how good this Nick Cardy artwork is. Yeah. It's sensational.
1: Please do give us some feedback. Let us know how you think we're doing. Had some. We'll give a couple of shout-outs to James Baker and to Kelly Blair for getting in touch and letting us know that they'd enjoyed the episodes that they'd listened to recently. So thanks for that. Thank you. Yes, thanks. We'll continue to keep adding some more sort of supplementary material to the Facebook and Instagram pages, so make sure you have a look at them. So on that note, I've been Peter. And I've been David. And we'll see you next time on The, the Earth 2, Two
0: podcast. podcast. Da, 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 da. Transmatter cube activated. Return coordinates set for Earth Prime. Let's follow this nice young couple a little later as they do a snappy meringue under the stairs. No, meringue, meringue, meringue. What? <laughs> under the under the stairs?
1: Snapping me rang under the stairs. (laughs) Sorry, okay. (laughs) Merry Christmas, VT.